Today on The Girl Defined Show, we are talking all about biblical submission in marriage. Yes, the big S word, as some might say. And let's be honest, this topic, it is a hard one, and it can feel confusing and complicated to understand. So what does the Bible actually say about submission, and what does it not say, and how can we as Christian women practically embrace it rightly? I know I have a lot of questions. I know you have a lot of questions. We did a poll on our Instagram over at Girl Define, and so many of you submitted amazing questions, and we're going to get to some of those here at the end. But you were asking things like, well, what if my husband is super passive? How do I submit to that? Or does submission mean my husband has the final say in everything? Or what does, you know, does the man have the dominant role? Is that what we're talking about here? So we're going to unpack all of that. And to do that, I brought on my friend and an expert, I think, in this topic who's going to help us understand what God's word has to say. Shannon Popkin. She is a speaker, author, podcaster with a passion for God's word and his truth and her most recent book, which I also highly recommend, Comparison Girl, talks all about living free from the struggles of comparison. And she is with us today to help unpack this huge topic. (laughs) Shannon, thank you for being with us. Oh, Kristen, it's such a joy. Anytime I get to talk with my girl defined friends. Um, But yeah, talking about this topic, I think it's really an important one. So I'm so honored. Yeah. To be with you. I'm so glad. I know off air right before we were kind of joking about, I said, thanks for coming on to talk about this topic. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. just a light and fluffy one. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's important though. One. Yeah. I think it's it one we, ha- we all have a lot of questions about. Yeah, we do. And like I said in the intro, when I asked on Instagram, you know, what questions do you have about biblical submission in marriage? I wasn't surprised to see, you know, tons of questions come in because I know it's one that raises a lot of questions, but I was intrigued by the different types of questions, you know, ranging the spectrum, all sorts of questions that um, we all just have. And it, and it can be so complicated to know, well, what does God's word actually teach? And then a huge question that I saw coming in again and again was, and how do I practically live this out? Mm-hmm. What does this look like in my life as a Christian wife? And so just to kick it off, why do you think we as Christian women have a lot of questions and feel pretty confused about the topic of submission in marriage? Well, I mean, look at the culture we live in. We live in a culture that celebrates independence and Mm -hmm. uh, a woman rising up and being her own entity, right? And so it would make sense that as Christians within this culture, that doesn't fit, right? And um, and I think, you know, maybe some have overreacted, have overextended Mm -hmm. the principles of submission um, in marriage. We've seen it modeled poorly. And so I think it's something we're all grappling with. I also think just as a human being, like we are not submissive creatures. <laughs> like, uh, yes, I, you know, just as a human, we love our, uh, our own control. We love to not be submitting to anyone. <laughs> I mean, look at a two-year-old, right? No, me do it, me self, right? Yes. And that's just how <laughs> so true. we are born this way. And so submission, it is not natural. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not, it's sin, our, in our sinful nature. Submission is not natural. It's supernatural. Um, but as we become more like Jesus, like he was submissive to the father. And so it is, it is, uh, who we are becoming little by little. 
And you bring up a good point that, which we'll get to, it's not just submission isn't a word that we see in scripture only in the context of marriage. We see it other places, which helps us understand what it is more fully. Um, So for me, I'll be honest, like most women, I think I struggle to embrace submission. Just even the idea of of following or having a head. I mean, this is the whole gospel too, right? Christ is the head of the church and we are submitting to him. But I'm a, I guess, a type A, yeah. strong-willed woman. Um, and I am a great leader in a lot of ways. And I know a lot of women feel like, well, my husband is he doesn't want to lead or he's the passive one or, right. you know, so we even feel sometimes this clash of just natural bents or personalities within our marriages. And we wonder, how does this all work together? What was God thinking? Does this even make sense? And even more than that, we see, like you said, we see submission modeled very poorly. Or I would even say very unbiblically. And I have seen two extremes. I can I can think of some examples right now of, of couples I know where on one hand, the extreme in their marriage is the husband is very dominant. Um, he takes his leadership and his authority to a point that I think is very unbiblical, borderline abusive, you know, verbally and physically just, you know, I'm the one in control. I'm the leader. I will do everything. And, you know, the wife's just sitting there like a little doormat. And I know that's not a biblical understanding of submission or the way that they're living it out. And on the other side, I've talked to wives and couples where they're like, you know what? That's the submission is kind of an outdated idea. It's, you know, maybe Bible times that had a different meaning, but for us today as modern Christians, it's not really relevant. It's not really something that we're supposed to embrace. I mean, it's actually quite sexist. I've heard Christians say that. Mm-hmm. So it's just something in our marriage that we don't really embrace in any way. So there are ditches mm-hmm. that we're falling into. And I think that we look on at some of those as Christian women and we're scared. We're scared to even approach this topic or even try to understand how to embrace it because it just feels kind of scary. Hmm. Yeah, we don't have to be afraid though. You know, God's word is a comfort to us. Like without his word, imagine how we would be floundering and his, his, uh, the Bible is a story. And I think embracing the whole story, the whole truth of the Bible is helpful for us in navigating, you know, girl defined is all about what is a girl, (laughs) you know, who, what is a woman and what, what does that look like in marriage? And um, so, you know, like, look at Genesis, look at what God how the story begins. It's a beautiful story of a husband celebrating his wife and loving her and enjoying her. That, that has to be the backdrop for us talking about submission. It has to be a loving creator who created men and women, um, to compliment one another. We're completely different, but he is the one, he is the designer of marriage and he puts us together and he creates an order. And so that has to be the backdrop as we, uh, you know, avoid both ditches. It's, yeah. but, but there's something very compelling about this story. So I think we have to hold on to that. And, and I agree. It is a hard topic. And I too, I mean, I'm a strong woman too, <laughs> Kristen. My first, <laughs> my first book is titled Control Girl, Lessons on Surrendering Your Burden of Control. Mm. And boy, do I have a burden. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize it before I got married. You know, I remember just so chafing at this new relationship. I was adored my husband, you know, I was so excited to get married. But then once we were married, I remember standing in the kitchen one day and saying to him, 
I was so cheerful and carefree before I met you. Like, I literally <laughs> thought he was the problem. Like he, he was the reason that everything had changed and yeah. things were going so poorly. <laughs> and, uh, I, I didn't realize though that, you know, what I was contributing to the problem and how I was mm. by undermining him and by constantly nitpicking and constantly criti- criticizing all of my little tendencies. And it was just like little word, little sounds I would make like, or, you know, those little things. I didn't <laughs> and the facial realize, expressions that go with totally, them. <laughs> exactly. And I, I didn't realize how I was contributing to the problem. I really thought it was all him, but God did over time start opening my eyes to, you know, this, mm-hmm. this is when I'm trying to control everything. Um, that is not equivalent with submission. Like yeah. that, that's, I'm, I'm rubbing against God's design for my marriage. Mm. Oh, I'm relating to everything you're saying. It is to embrace what God's word has to say, which we're going to get to in just a minute. We have to first go to the Lord in a heart of humility, a humble posture yeah. to say, I may have seen submission modeled poorly, unbiblically. I may have experienced it watching my parents grow up in a way that wasn't honoring to God or whatever it may be, yeah. even horrible stories of abuse that women have observed in their parents' marriage or experiencing in their own marriage. And they come to the Lord with all of our pain, our brokenness, our questions, our confusion, but in a heart of humility to say, God, would you help me to understand your plan, Mm -hmm. right? Would you help me to disentangle the lies from what your word actually says? And then would you give me um, the the ability, the humility to walk in what you teach and to live that out only by your strength and power, right? Because like we both attested to, we're strong women. This doesn't come naturally to us no, <laughs> at all. We need the Lord's transforming work in our heart. But I think that at least in my own journey, my own heart is a heart posture that I am continuing to ask the Lord to cultivate in me, just saying, Lord, would you help me to embrace your ways and not my own or not what I've seen? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kristen, when I, I've been married 27 years now and I have seen changes in, in my life. I have seen um, God refine me. You know, Ephesians 5 is one of the main texts that we turn to when we talk about submission and it opens with um, talking about don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit, you know, be under the influence of the spirit. That's what, you know, when we're under God's influence, we, you know, a drunk person under the influence, they do things they wouldn't normally do. When we're under the influence of the spirit, we do things that we would not normally do. And submission is one of those. That's, this is the context for the the conversation. It's, it's uh, a changing us. And I do think that God uses marriage to refine us. It's not something that, you know, if you're, if, if one of our listeners is a, a newlywed and just so struggling, it's so much harder than you thought. And it's, things are coming to the surface that you never imagined going into marriage. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've been there. And I can look back and see how God has met me in this struggle and he has refined me and he has changed me. And it's not perfect. You know, I still, I still chafe against submission in my marriage, but I have a new appreciation for how God uses this uh, to bring both of us uh, back into order under in his design for marriage. Yeah. So let's jump into his design because there are women, some questions that came in on Instagram were, you know, is this actually biblical? Like, does the Bible actually talk about this? And it does. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand 
where it talks about it and why it talks about it. So can you take us to some of the places you already mentioned Ephesians 5, anything, any other places and just help us understand what the Bible actually explicitly says about submission within marriage. Yeah, well, I think when we're when we're looking at the design for marriage, we have to start at the beginning, right? Genesis. Mm-hmm. And so we have a story where you know, there's some subtlety there, but God is is telling a story where he's putting an order into place. So we see God put his hands in the dirt and and create man out of the dust of the ground. But then he his the creation story for the woman is different. She is created from Adam's rib. So she's created from him. She's brought to him. And so there's there's a difference in that creation story. Um and then Adam names Eve, right? Adam is given mm-hmm. the instruction about this tree uh, before Eve was even created, it would seem. And so he is given the spiritual authority in the family. Like this tree, the tree that they're not supposed to eat from, I mean, this is a big deal. Like this is the spiritual formation of their family. It's obeying God. There's only one rule. <laughs> and so he's given this this one and only instruction. Um, and then when they do eat from the tree, then God comes looking for them in the garden and God calls out to the man. Genesis 3, 9, God called to Adam. He didn't say Adam and Eve. So like, I think if these details were altered, it would make a difference. Like, you know, so for instance, if God made them both from the dirt at the same time, or if they named each other, right? Or if they were both given the instructions about the tree, or when God came looking for them, he said, Adam and Eve, where are you? You know, so this we see an order forming in this story um where adam is the leader and you know i think you and me kristen we we come from we think like westerners we don't put a lot of emphasis on story um we tend to think of stories as unsophisticated right but in the middle east it's the opposite and so story is elevated is you know like if we're going to say something really important we might put together a speech or something and we might illustrate one of our main points with a story but in the middle east it's just the opposite Hmm. Uh, the story is the important part and so i think we we have to approach this genesis story looking at it as like god is showing us an order here. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I see that as foundational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starting at Genesis is a great place to start. I want you to unpack a little bit more because for people who've maybe heard some of that or maybe haven't, help us understand more about why God was doing what he's doing. I know we have to get to other places in scripture sure. to understand that, but the significance of, like you're saying, the man being created first, given instruction, um, given leadership, responsibility before the woman ever even comes onto the scene. And then she's created not from the dirt, but from him mm-hmm. and then given to him to be a helpmate. We see that word in scripture. What is the significance here? Digging, digging in a little deeper of God's intended order for the man and the woman within marriage. Well, marriage was never just for marriage. Right from the beginning, God is pointing to He's it's it's this concrete relationship that points to another relationship between Christ and the church. And so um we kind of have to keep that in mind as well. So if we're gonna shift the design of marriage and say, well, no, there is really no leadership, there's no order, we're messing with something that the whole Bible is pointing to, this relationship of Christ and the church. So it's a very important structure here. Um, and I, I like to say, like my wedding ring that I wear, it is valuable and it is some 
something that is important, but it also represents something. So like if I were to throw my wedding ring down in the ground and treat it like it's just this worthless trinket, I'm not just saying something about the ring. I'm saying something about the marriage. Do you see? And so Mm -hmm. when we treat marriage like, well, we can just do whatever we want with it. We can toss it aside. We don't really need marriage. You know, we can just live together. It doesn't really matter. Or we treat it like there is no order within the marriage. Well, we're really messing with not just the marriage. The marriage is a concrete relationship that points to another one. I just, I think we, we really have to be careful. And so God put this thing in order to help us to not only understand, um, marriage, but to understand how he loves us. You know, God, just imagine if there was no su- such thing as marriage or there were no such thing as parent child relationships. You know, these relationships, they're the context for God to say, I love you the way a bride loves his wife. You know, Jesus Mm -hmm. loves you. He laid his life down for you the way a husband cares for and um, lays his life down for a wife. That's the whole idea of this, this image. He wants us to know his love. And so, um, yeah, but, but submission in marriage, you know, we're told to submit. Ephesians says, um, as the church, let's see, I'll read the verse. Now, now the church submits to Christ. Uh, also, as the church submits to Christ, also wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. So there's a design pattern going on here. Um, and, and not, so I want to bring it back just to marriage. There's mm-hmm. a beautiful design pattern here. God has good things in mind for us when he tells wives to submit to husbands. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're looking at these I said the creation story, there's like some subtleties, you know, melted into that story. But the New Testament is pretty over. It's pretty direct. Mm-hmm. Repeatedly, uh, the Lord says, wives, submit to your husbands. It's blunt. There's a bluntness. And I mm-hmm. think what's happening is um, God is responding to the blight of sin in our world. Sin has messed everything up. And we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah. sin has made submission so much more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And yet submission is what brings things back into God's ordained order. So how does submission, drilling in, because I know we're going to get questions, and I have questions too, just how does submission, the wife submitting to the husband, how does it help paint that Ephesians 5 picture of the gospel of the, the, the wife representing the church and the husband representing Christ in this gospel picture, showing Christ's love for the church, pursuing his bride. How does the wife submitting to her husband play a part in that? Mm. Well, submission in that, in Ephesians five, it's a military word. You know, it's a, it's an order. It's a military word and submission only runs one way in the military, right? And so the church submits to Christ. Christ doesn't submit to the church. Do you see? Mm-hmm. Um, there, so there's a, there's an order there and we have to, you know, we have to look at that. Um, and so as we submit to Christ, um, we're actually displaying the gospel because, you know, we see both the husband's role in the gospel and the wife's role in the gospel. The husband's role we see in Jesus dying on the cross. Right. He laid his life down for the, for, for his bride. Um, it's this beautiful picture that we see, uh, of Jesus 
representing what a husband should be like. But then in the wife's role, as the wife submits to her husband, we see uh, another picture of the gospel because Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he's in this garden and he's down on his knees and he's in this, it's like submission. Don't think of it as something that's easy because Jesus was Mm. in this grueling agony and he was saying, Father, I see the cross up ahead of me. And it does not look good to me. Um, so I don't want to go to the cross. That was his natural. That was his flesh crying out. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus, there's this beautiful image of submission in Christ. And so both of those instructions are given both to husbands and wives. Um, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives submit as Christ submitted to the Father. Like those, both of those uh, are encapsulated in the gospel. Mm. If only it were easy to embrace. It's so beautiful in the word and hearing you talk like, wow, there's a bigger picture going on here. The roles that we're playing with in marriage are telling a greater story. It's not just about the marriage, the earthly marriage, but pointing ourselves and others to the gospel, to this relationship between Christ and the church. And each person, the wife and the husband are playing a part in that story. And so you think it would be so easy. Like, this is the gospel. This should be so easy. But sin has made this so incredibly difficult. And we've talked about Genesis 1 and 2, but take us to Genesis 3. And just, I know we're all familiar with it, but why why does sin make embracing this part of God's design so hard? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that um, a wife is is taught to submit and my tendency is to do exactly the opposite. <laughs> my tendency mm-hmm. is exactly what we see in Genesis 3. You know, um, so in Genesis 3, we have this one restriction, you know, this tree. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I think it's so interesting that God puts this in the middle of the garden. Because when I don't want my kids to have something, I don't put it in the middle of the room or the middle of the table. <laughs> like, you know, but I think this, this tree, it's posing a question. God's asking, are you going to mm. submit to me? Right. Mm. And, and he wants them to see from the beginning that he is God and they are not and to keep that distinction in place. And so there is one thing that is restricted. Um, and yet Eve reached for that fruit. So when she reached for that fruit, she was not just reaching for fruit. She was reaching for control. You know, the, mm-hmm. the serpent had tempted her and he says, you know, God knows that if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like God. So it's not going to be like, here's God and here's you under him. You're going to be like him. You're going to be, you're going to see what God sees. You're going to know what God knows. And that was tempting to Eve. She didn't want to live in submission to God. She wanted to be on par with God. She wanted to be like him. So she reaches for fruit. She reaches for control. She broke the rule. And she really, she's rejecting God's rule in that moment. So she's casting off submission. And then I think her, God's response, you know, um, after, after they eat from the fruit, they hide and then God comes looking for them in the garden. And then God kind of lays out these consequences. And what we hear God say, particularly to the woman, it has something to do with control. Um, and submission. So he says, Genesis 3, 16, uh, first he talks about you're going to have pain in childbearing. So relationships, you're going to have struggle in relationships. First, childbearing, but also with your husband. Um, he says, from now on, your desire will be for your husband. And I was thought that was a desire for like a sexual <laughs> desire. 
and it made no sense. Like you will want him even more. (laughs) Actually, no. (laughs) If that was the case, like I don't think um, you know husbands would not would not be opposed to this, right? And so, uh, but but actually, that desire—it's not a desire. It's not a sexual desire. It's a desire for control. And so when the place where we see those words used again is the next chapter where God is talking to Cain and he's saying, sin, it's crouching at the door. It's desire is for you. And so sin is pictured like this crouching animal. It wants to pounce. It wants to take over. It's desire is for you. Um, so we take that meaning back to God talking to Eve. Um, your desire is for your husband. You're like the pouncing animal. You want to take control. You want to overpower your husband. You know, sin's desire is for you, Eve. And I want to say, you know, Shannon, your desire is for Ken. You want to pounce. You want to take over. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel this in, in myself. It's this, this malformed desire. You know, I want control over the stupidest little things. And uh, I don't want to submit to my husband. It's the exact opposite of what I want to do. I want to control every little nitpicky thing. Uh, and this is, you know, when I first understood this verse, Genesis 3.16, I remember I was painting the laundry room. And I, for some reason, I was listening to a sermon by John Piper, and he's laying this all out. And I remember just being stunned on the side of my my ladder with paint, like dripping off my brush, like, no wonder I am, no wonder I, I, like, I love my husband, but I'm, why am I emasculating him? Why am I constantly talking over him? Why, why is our relationship so hard? It just dawned on me. It's like, I am a daughter of Eve. This consequence has been passed on to me. So no wonder I'm trying to control it all. This is my consequence. I've inherited this problem. Uh, and so, you know, Ray Ortland says that, God's response to Eve when she reaches out to take control, it's a measure for measure response. You want to take control, Eve? I'm going to allow you to become controlling. And Mm. this is just exactly, yeah, it's just exactly the opposite of submission in marriage. So this is where the problem is rooted. Yeah. And I feel that tension every day. Thank you, Eve. (laughs) I feel that, that pull to want to take control in every way and all of the things you described. So how as Christian women, before we get into the really practical side of what this, what this can look like lived out, how do we, what do we start with recognizing this, this sinful bent toward wanting to control everything really, you know, whether we're, we might view ourselves as like a type A kind of person or not. I think it, the battle is in our hearts. So whether it's even Mm -hmm. all coming out or not, there's that battle in our own hearts of submitting to the Lord first and foremost, and then whatever that looks like lived out. But what's the first step? Is it a step of repentance to say, Lord, you know, for you, what did that look like? When you realize that as you're having that moment with the John Piper sermon, yeah. you know, you're painting, like, what was your next step after you realized I have been wanting to just take over? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, recognizing that it's a problem because I think sometimes we talk ourselves into like, no, this isn't wrong. This is right. This is actually right for me mm. to take control. It feels so noble. It feels like somebody has got to do something here. There is a problem. <laughs> and so, you know, first recognizing like, actually that bent is rooted in the fall. It's not, this, this was not God's original design for me. 
And so Eve, by, by taking control, she invited all of this tension. And this is the battle of the sexes right here, you know, Genesis 3, 16, because there's two halves of the verse. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Like this is male and female mm-hmm. tension. And, and you're right. We feel it every single day. So I think the first step though is recognizing this is a, is wrong. This is like a malformed desire. It's, it's like this was not God's original intention for us in marriage and, um, submission, even though it feels so repulsive, even if like we repel the idea, it's not what we want. It actually brings order back in to our lives. It's like so many things where sin is what seems desirable. Sin it feels like if I reach out and take control, if I control my husband, then everything's going to fall into place. There's going to be peace. There's going to be security. There's going to be joy in my marriage. And the opposite thing happens. You know, like yes. the more I, the more I subvert, the more I try to control, the more I overtake, overpower, I talk over him, I undermine him, I emasculate him. The more I do these things, the more tension there is. And so it's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, how, they say that a pilot, when they're flying, they have to ignore the way things look. They have to pay attention to those, uh, the instruments, you know, that tell them the truth. That's what God's word does. It tells us the truth. It gives us that true direction. It helps us to course correct. And so it's really a matter again of authority, right? Are we going to say, God, you are God and I am not. You are the designer of marriage. You say submission will Brain, well, it's a healthier, happier way to do marriage. Am I going to let him be the ruler of my marriage or am I going to continue to contend and say, no, this does not feel right to me? Yeah. Oh, again, coming back to that heart of humility, that posture of surrender before the Lord first and foremost. So if submission, if the sinful response to submission is control, Mm -hmm. what is biblical submission? (laughs) What does it look like? Can you break that word down into practical English terms that we can all understand to say, oh, this is what God is calling me to. So I know controlling everything is my simple bent. What is he calling me to in submission? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think it's important to remember that both husbands and wives submit to God Mm -hmm. in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And so this is not something that, you know, Ephesians also talks about mutual submission because see, we have certain powers over each other. You know, a husband has uh, physical power. Husbands, you know, they have more strength than, than wives. And wives, I mean, we have this power over our husbands. You know, we've talked about negative things, but we also, we communicate really well. I know I can sometimes talk circles around my husband, you know, relationally, I'm more intuitive. I have certain ways that I know how to get control. One of the words in my particular marriage, if I use this word, if I want to get control over a situation, you know, if I want him to do what I want, all I have to do is say to him, you're just lazy. <laughs> and I, I mean, hands down, it's mine. I get to say what what's going to happen next because, oh, that just gets under his skin. He's not lazy. But, you know, so understanding I have this power over him and submission is laying that power down right? Mm-hmm. That's what submission is. And it's, um, it's, 
it's understanding that I, you know, I have this desire for con- for control and I intuitively, I know how to get it. And I think we yeah. women in our marriages, we intuitively, we know how to get control. We know how to overrule. Um, you know, my husband will say, you know, just what to say. And I do. <laughs> I know intuitively how to tear him down, how to get to him, yes. how to get my own way. Um, and so submission is laying that power down mm. and, uh, and submiss- submitting first, you know, to the Lord. But, um, I think it's important to recognize that submission isn't just like acquiescing to his every whim. <laughs> you know, it's not like, yeah. I don't, I don't give in to all, all of his preferences, you know, um, it's, right. it's like I get to, we are co-heirs of the gospel. Like we are the king and the queen together. We will rule together um, in the kingdom of God one day. And so like, there's, this is not a value statement. We both have equal value, equal worth. We just have mm-hmm. different roles. And so yeah. I think it's important to recognize when we're talking about what is submission, there's only a call for submission when we disagree, you know? Um, there's, there's not submission is not just me acquiescing to his every preference. You know, Mm. I I love Mm -hmm. that you guys linked to an article by Abigail Dobbs. I thought it was so good because she's talking about like, I hesitate to give exact examples of submission because she was talking about like her husband is super social. So for her submission all often involves saying, you know what? You want for us to host, you want us to cook, you, you know, want me to cook dinner for a bunch of people. For me, it's exactly the opposite. My husband is less social than me. And mm. so sometimes we have disagreements. That is not to say I never get to have people over, <laughs> you know, like we talk together, we work together and my husband loves me and wants for me to flourish. And so he listens to my preferences as well. But there are times when we disagree. We've, we've talked it out. We've come to, you know, we've both expressed our interests and he, for whatever reason, thinks like, no, this is actually not going to be good for us. And we vote and it's one to one. And there has to be an order that comes into play. And when there is a one-to-one vote, then I give my vote to him. That's what submission is. Mm, That's a very practical, helpful example. I've heard Tim Keller talk about this too, that um, that there should be really in, in the lifetime of your marriage, this shouldn't be occurring every day where you're like constantly oh, disagreeing on everything yeah. that together as husband and wife, you're talking through things, you're valuing each other and each other's perspectives and opinions, the wife to the husband, the husband to the wife, and you're trying to mutually decide things yes. in so many cases. But when those rare instances happen, you know, was what he was saying where you cannot agree. Yeah. There are two different perspectives and you cannot agree and a decision has to be made. And he was saying in those cases, God has place that ultimate responsibility on the husband to make that decision for the good of the family. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'd be helpful to give a couple of examples. Um, so like I, I have had some of those bigger things in my life where I had to give my vote to my husband. Um, one of them that I remember early on as a young mom was homeschooling. I wanted Mm -hmm. to homeschool (laughs) <laughs> and we had just, we had just moved to a new house. I was painting and unpacking boxes. I had a new baby. And so our kindergartner, um, I was homeschooling her and we, she was basically in night school because <laughs> he said, I think we are the only homeschooling family where our kid is in night school because every night after dinner, <laughs> I would be like, 
we have to start school right after dinner. And so he just was, Aww. he knows me. I mean, I am a, I'm a really creative person. I get distracted. I get into one project or another and he just decided that was not going to be best for our family. Hmm. And so I, there was that one point when one of our kids was struggling and I wanted, I wanted to pull him out. He was the first grader and I wanted to homeschool him. And my husband said, no. So you put them into a school because your husband yep. was like, I don't think this is best. And you mm-hmm. went, you said, okay. And you went along with it. Yep. Was that hard for you in that, like to do that, make that decision with him? Yeah, it was really hard because I thought I saw it the way that I, you know, mm-hmm. I thought what I wanted was best. And ultimately, I mean, I don't know. We don't, we don't get, we didn't get to play it out both ways. <laughs> All I yeah. know is that God gave me this particular husband and mm. he was the leader of our family. And from his perspective, I was wrong that pulling our son out in first grade was not going to be best for him. Mm. And, um, honestly, there was a lot of struggle. There was a lot of damage. It was a particularly difficult teacher and our kid was hating school. And mm. it was just, so there were many years afterward where he really dreaded school. I felt like, oh, we are just, this is an uphill battle and it all started in first mm. grade. Um, But you know, struggle is not the enemy, right? And so I look yeah. back and I see we have a resilient young man and he has done so well in life and in you know, he's finished college now. And my, it's to put that pressure on myself, um, to be both parents, (laughs) to be both, you know, to be the leader. That isn't God's design. Let me just share one other story. Um, I remember when the kids were little coming home, a bunch of women in my family had gone out to eat (laughs) and I, I brought them back to my house and some were out from out of town. And, um, we got in the house and, my husband had put the boys to bed um, and I could hear them upstairs. They were both like crying. And I said, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get them down. And he, and my husband said, no, no, he's like, he goes, they have basically broken all 10 of the commandments tonight. <laughs> I mean, maybe not adultery, <laughs> but they've broken them all. I've put them to bed. That is my final word. And so I said to him, can I talk to you for a minute? And so I I pulled him into an empty room. And before I could even get any words out, he says to me, Shannon, are you going to overrule me? Are you going to overrule me? He he put the question out there, like, was I going to take control? And I had to stop and think like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do here? Because it was so hard. Like they wanted to see my little kids, right? And Mm. I had to stand at the top of the stairs and look down at this little crowd of women who were wanting to see the boys and say, you know what? Ken's decided that they're, they're going to be in bed for the night. You know what, Kristen? It is good for my little boys to recognize that their dad wants to lead them, wants to shepherd them. And there are consequences that their mom will not overrule. Like I look back <laughs> on that and I think that was a really good. That was so hard for me. It's hard. I mean, it's so crazy yes. how hard that was for me. I and know. yet, and yet to submit to God's order, I now am a mom of three young adult children and have lived through a lot of parenting. And I can tell you that inviting my husband into that role of leading and, and letting and submitting to his leadership. Oh, it has served our family so well. Mm. I've seen other moms who do 
overrule, over, take over and, and not mm-hmm. acquiesce to their husband, not, mm-hmm. um, not let him lead. And then, you know, passivity, passivity is usually the outcome. So I don't know, maybe just a couple of those tangible little things, yeah. whether it's a big decision or a little one, like letting them get out right. of bed at night, <laughs> you know, sometimes yes. it, both can be really, really hard. I don't think, don't think of submission as like, I think submission, surrender, maybe we tie those together and surrender. We kind of think like, ah, surrender, hands lifted. I surrender all, you know, no, (laughs) think of surrender. Like Jesus, Jesus in that garden bent over like this Mm. gritty battle. It is an uphill. It was so hard for me to look down those stairs and see these loved ones that I wanted to share my kids with and say, no, my husband's decided they're in bed for the night. (laughs) That was Mm. so hard. And yet it's good. Oh, I'm relating again because it is the little decision so often where you're just like, no. And you're like, my my way is so much better than your way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so obvious to me. But it's that we're ultimately submitting to God in that moment yeah. of releasing control to have things our way and saying, even if you don't agree, right? It doesn't mean we submit and we always agree on everything, but to say, Lord, I trust your plan for this marriage and your design. And I'm ultimately submitting to you first and foremost. Right. Well, and and then in turn, submitting to my husband. Right. And we want our husbands as the leader to be listening to the Lord. I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting when God talks, you know, we talked about where God is, um, after Adam and Eve has have sinned, God talks to Eve and says, her consequence is going to be your desires for your husband. He turns to Adam and says, because you listened to the voice of your wife, cursed is the ground. So hmm. he listened to her. Here we have, you know, let's take a, a moment and go back to the garden for a second, because I think when, when we look at that scene where um, the serpent is slithering onto the scene, you know, and we see him approaching Eve, that's really telling. God has, like we, we delineated, God had clearly made Adam the leader. And so to, uh, to come to Eve, the serpent, I, I, which is Satan, I hear him saying, Oh yeah, you made him the leader. We'll watch this, you know, and mm. pulling her into this. I mean, this is the most important decision for her family and for all of us, for all of mankind. And God or uh, Satan approaches the woman and she makes the decision. And we're like, well, where's Adam? Where's Adam in the scene? Like when he sees her reaching for that fruit, he knows he's been given the instruction. This is going to kill. Like this is going to create death. This is going to cause death. And he, where is he? He's silent. Like I want Adam to jump out and say, no, (laughs) you know, like jump in front and be the protector and be the keeper. And yet he's passive and we know he's right there because it says that she took some of the fruit and gave some to Adam who was with her. And so here, you know, we have this, um, this scene of a husband listening to his wife, letting his wife be the one who is directing the family. That, so that's where God is saying, because you listened to the voice of your wife, because you let her have the influence over you instead of listening to me, to my voice. Adam could have said, like what I would have liked for Adam to say, wait, 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 let's talk about this. God gave us this instruction. He gave us this. He told us what's going to happen. Like we need to have a conversation about this. He listened to the voice of his wife. So I think so many times I need to, when I am contending for my way, my desire, my some outcome that I think I can't live without, I think it's important to just stop and be quiet and maybe talk to the Lord about that. 
and invite my husband to hear from the Lord instead of hearing from me. That's mm-hmm. often what submission looks like in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, what I know some people might be wondering with that story is, is there, there's got to be a place for the wife to speak into her husband's life absolutely, or to initiate or have an opinion in a way that is still submissive, but she is, she's sharing her thoughts or her concerns or her opinions about something, how does that play into the marriage? Absolutely. I think as women, we are his partner. Like I am not in any way saying you can't talk to your husband or you can't express your mm-hmm. opinion. No, we um we are partners. But I, I think what I'm talking about more is when there's a contention and we're disagreeing and I am talking over and consistent consistently nagging and persisting from my way, that's where I need to stop and talk to the Lord instead of talking to my husband. But no, I think in day-to-day life, you know, these should be the exceptions where we are saying, you know, I'm going to stop talking about this. Um, And I mean, Kristen, there have been times in my life, like silly little things where I'm like, you know what, I I have to stop talking about this. You know, I'm just, (laughs) I'm laying it down. Like this is what submission looks like. (laughs) One time it had to do with like, a house, a home improvement project. It was so stupid, but I was so, I wanted it so badly. And I had to live with something not looking exactly right. And I had nagged and and my husband was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I I couldn't do it without his help. And so finally I just said, Mm. all right, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. So, and that's not a matter of like listening, him listening to the Lord. I think that that's, that's a poor example for, you know, Adam was listening to the voice of his wife, but I I think there are times that I do need to stop talking, stop contending and align myself, you know, before the Lord and before his design for my husband as the leader. Yeah. Can we jump to some of the Instagram questions that we got? Sure. And and like maybe a little more rapid fire. So obviously some of these we could talk for an hour on each Mm -hmm. one, but kind of just hitting briefly because I want to get to some of these because there were so many good ones and we've already touched on a lot of them. But one woman asked, does biblical submission mean to do whatever he says like we do our parents? Well, it's not a parent-child relationship. It's mm-hmm. not like I don't treat my husband like my dad. No, um, we're 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 partners, right? And so this yeah. is it's different than a parent child in the same way that, um, you know, like my my son and I don't. There isn't. Yeah, it's it's just a completely different mm-hmm. relationship. And I want to honor the wife. Like this is not a you know, he's going to reprimand you or he's going to, you know, like, no, this is, we are mutual. We are partners. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think it's the same as a parent child relationship. However, like I remember one time when I was driving in the car with my husband and, um, he, I was yelling at our son because he was being so bad in the backseat. And my husband said, you know what? In the middle, he's like, Shannon, stop it. You're making it worse. Mm. And I was like, no, he needs here. I had a whole nother lecture all bottled up, ready to give to him. And he's like, I want you to just stop talking. And when we get to our destination, I'll talk to him. And I remember feeling so frustrated. I I folded my uh, arms across my chest and I'm looking out the window and the word submit came to mind. And I'm like, what? No, the submission is never the word that you want to come to your mind in instances mm-hmm. like that. But you know what? I turned back and I looked at my son in the backseat. And you know what he was doing? He had his arms crossed 
across his chest, chest and he's looking out the window. And I thought, he and I, we are looking exactly the same right now. He doesn't want to yeah. submit to a parent. I don't want to submit to my husband. Mm-hmm. And we're both just in this gridlock. And so when I got out of that car, I mean, I, I just looked like a woman getting out of a car, but I was doing battle with my flesh in that moment <laughs> to let my husband, uh, you know, be the leader in that situation. And and I remember going in, we were going to a swim meet and I, I went into the bleachers and I'm just sitting there and, you know, give it five minutes. And I'm like, he's right. I was making it worse. And my son comes in, like it only took like five or 10 minutes for this conversation. He comes in, he sits down, he puts, gives me this little warm hug. And he's like, mom, I was so wrong. Please forgive me. Mm-hmm. That is what submission in marriage. Like Mm. that's the beautiful picture, but it's not this like parent reprimanding a child. It's like, no, we're just falling in line with God's order. And, Mm. um, and it's good for children to submit to parents and it's good for wives to submit to husbands. All of these leadership things, these, this is good. This is God's design. Uh, it's a beautiful picture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if a husband is treating his wife more like a child, let's just say in some examples that I can think of of marriages where he is not treating her like a co-heir, an equal, but rather more of, I'm, I'm the leader. You're God says you need to submit to me and you need to obey what I tell you. Would you say that that husband doesn't have a right heart understanding of what submission is biblically? Absolutely. Because Christ is to Christ laid his life down for the church. You know, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. You know, his, his goal is for her flourishing. But I think it's important. Like first Peter three talks about, um, it says that we, wives are to, in the same way, why, same way wives submit to your husbands, uh, Submit yourselves to your own husbands. That's that's key too, to your own husbands. Submission is not universal. Yes. Not all women submitting to all men, but submit to your own husbands so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way uh, the, their wives live. So like, I just want to call out, there isn't some contingency. We don't just respect and honor and submit to our husbands when they are respectable. You know, when they... Mm. We are all going to live with sinful husbands. Now, you brought up a situation, though, where he's treating her like a child. And that's, I mean, that's disrespecting. That's dishonoring her. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's, there is no place for that in marriage. You know, like I, I heard John Piper use an example where, you know, the wife has to ask permission to go to the bathroom. Come on. Hmm. That's ridiculous. That's, there's no place for that sort of, you know, male dominance in marriage, that's not biblical submission. And so I think in that sort of situation, I think it's just as if there was abuse. Um, I would want the wife to reach out to others, you know, to widen the circle a little bit, maybe call to a pastor, have a friend, a mentor involved and say like, this is what's happening. Is this, is this biblical? Can you help me? Um, Mm -hmm, and, and I mm -hmm. think there, there is a place for that. You know, I just brought up abuse. Submission is not, uh, it's not, we don't submit to abuse. That's not how we uphold biblical yeah. submission. Yeah. So if I always say, if 
if there's something that your husband is doing and you could call 911 and they would come and your husband would be arrested, well, then you need to call 911 and they need to come. We live in a country where we have the law mm-hmm. and we have law and yes. order. And so you call 911 and he needs to hear from the authorities. Yeah. I think most of the time we're in situations though where we could call 911 and they would come and they'd be like, lady, stop calling us. This is not, you know, this is, this is silly. So we have, you know, we have to talk to both people at, at the same time. That's difficult in a, in a situation mm-hmm. like this, a podcast where some women are, they don't even realize that they're being dominated in a way that's ungodly. Others, they're rising up over things. They're trying to take control and not willing to submit over things that are just silly. It's just, you know, so yeah. we, we actually, there's think, extremes. Yeah. I think mentoring, mentoring is yeah. good in both situations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think inviting yeah. others to help us work through these situations one on one. Another woman asked, at what point does expressing my opinion in a disagreement cross the line into being unsubmissive? Well, it's a, it's a heart attitude. You know, um, there's a, there's a completely, there's a complete difference in me saying, can I just share my heart on this? Can I just share my thought on this and saying, you need to hear from me, you know, like there's a Mm -hmm. a different heart posture. Um, so one of the things that I often say, like a, a precursor before I'm going to share something with my husband is, is I say, you know what, I'll support whatever you decide here. I want him to know on the front end that I'm supporting. And I that really calls out the leader in my husband when I say those words. Mm. I'm going to support whatever you decide. But have you thought about this? You know, have you have you considered this? And uh like, what if Eve had said, I'll support whatever you say. This fruit, it looks good to me. You know, <laughs> like that would have been a completely different scenario if she had called mm. out the leader and, and had a chance, they had a chance to talk about. I think that's good. That's wise. We are equals, you know, we are partners. And so, yeah, no, I think offering my, offering my suggestions is good. When it turns though to nagging, when he's already heard you, when he already knows exactly what you're going to say before you open your mouth or when you're, when you come at it in, in that kind of subversive demeanor, well, that's a different story. Hmm. What about for the woman? We've had a couple questions like this. What one woman asked, what if your husband quite literally has no interest in leading? Yeah. That's hard, passing. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's what we see in the Garden of Eden. We see this story of a passive husband and a controlling wife. That's what feels most natural in my marriage. Um, and you know, when I speak, Kristen, I, I love it when I get audience participation. The only time I have ever had people like call out, like challenge me from the audience is when I talk about submission. And several times (laughs) I've been speaking and saying, you know, wives, we need to submit. And they'll call out and say, what if he doesn't want to leave? No way. Like while you're in the middle of your session. While I am in the middle of it. It's it's just really interesting. So I think like women are just feeling this tension and we... Mm -hmm. It's a challenge when we have a passive husband. But here's what I know. If I continue to take control, he's going to continue to let me have it. He's not going to fight me for the reins. Uh, he's, you know, a passive husband 
there's just going to be more passivity. And we see that in many of the marriage stories in the Bible. You know, my book, Control Girl, we looked at seven controlling women in the Bible. And so many times the husband's just passive. He's just like washing his hands of it. Um, and so if we want to call out the leader in our husbands, we, mm. we do it by inviting him to lead, treating him as the leader. Uh, I just give one more little example. I was mentoring a, a young woman who, um, you know, when I asked her, the she was very dissatisfied in her marriage, very frustrated with how things had turned out. And when I asked her to tell me the story, well, she had been initiating all the way. You know, she, it was her idea that they date. It was her idea that they get married. It was her idea which mm -hmm. with each of the children. And now he was just passively doing his own thing. And she's drowning in the kitchen trying to manage all the children. She wanted him more. But this was just the pattern that they had established. So I said, what if you start treating him like the leader? You know, you know how that works at work. You know, you know how you wouldn't nag him. You wouldn't, you know, badger him. You, you know, you would be respectful. What if you brought mm -hmm. that to your marriage? She's like, I can't even imagine what that would look like. And I said, well, just the next time there's a decision to be made, invite him, invite him in. And so it was something small. Um, they're, they're, I think it was 18 month old wasn't gaining weight. And mm -hmm. so she, the doctor had said like, this is a problem. And she brought it home and, and so she said to her husband, she treated him like the leader. What do you think we should do? <laughs> and ordinarily she would have just gone on to do her own thing, you know, not, not even consulted him. And he said, I think we should feed her milk. Now their other child had had trouble with drinking milk. And so it hadn't even crossed her mind, but she's like, okay, we'll try that. Well, the baby drank milk started gaining weight. And she said to her husband, this was a really good idea. Mm. And so the more that she involved him, the more she was investing. And she's like, I didn't even realize how mm. I was kind of belittling him and not even involving him, never treating him, you know, like the leader that he is. I think, you know, if you have a passive husband yeah. who's just, he's not contributing, he's not involved in your life. He's, he's not even interested in you. Ask yourself, have I been treating him like the leader or have I been the one constantly leading? Um, you know, he asked, how can I, how can I invite him back in? Is there any correlation between his passivity and my tendency to take control? You know, and, or is my, is my tone and my demeanor inviting him to lead? And maybe you don't even see it in yourself. Maybe ask mm -hmm. your friend or your sister, what do you think about my tone and demeanor? Yeah. Am I inviting my <laughs> husband to lead? Right. And so I think there often is more of a correlation than we first realize. Hmm. Absolutely. And honest feedback is hard to hear, mm -hmm. but it is so good for us because yeah. we are blind. I know I have been blind to some of the ways, my tones, and my words, and my eyes. Yeah. Um, so is there a place because God has gifted women with a lot of incredible abilities. Um, is there a place for women to have leadership roles within the marriage? Well, yeah. I mean, women oftentimes are a stronger leader. And so I think, yes, definitely. Um, I would say I lead in our marriage. I'm stronger socially, uh, you know? And so like I tend to create opportunities for us to socialize or I, I tend to lead when we're in a social setting, like ask more questions or, or those sorts of things. And I tend to like prompt my husband, like, remember this, remember we met them. They know, you know, <laughs> these sorts of things. Like <laughs> he would call me the leader in those situations. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's not, that's different than overseeing our whole marriage and our whole, our home. You know, I think 
there is a, a role for women to contribute in all the ways that we're gifted. Um, but again, submission doesn't have to do with capability, um, or like I'm, there are many things that I'm better at him, but yet he still makes decisions that I submit to him on. So Mm -hmm. did I say that right? There are things that I am better at and yet I still, so like, for instance, that example about schooling, I used to be a teacher, you know, I felt like more equipped to answer this question about a first grader. I knew more about this. I felt like I was more in tune with my son. And yet it was good for me to let my husband lead in that situation. Hmm. Oh, that's so good. I'm, I'm even freshly convicted as you're talking right now of, of wanting needing to continue to grow and keep at the front of my mind, inviting my husband into decisions. Because in our marriage, there are, like you said, many areas that I lead in, um, managing the home or certain relational aspects, um, any sort of vacation trip planning for our family. My husband does not enjoy doing any of that and I love it. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. we have different areas of strength and we bring them into our marriage and it's beautiful the way they complement each other. Um, And that's awesome. So yes, I agree. There are many ways that women can use their gifts and abilities and talents to lead in different aspects of their marriage to bless their family. Um, but I do often struggle with inviting my husband into certain decisions that I feel like, well, I've thought this through. I know I've got all the answers. Like I'm confident in this and just plowing ahead and not even inviting his opinion. So just good reminders on as women, we we can, if our husbands are passive or we feel like they're not leading as much as they should or whatever, like how much are we actually inviting them into Mm -hmm. decisions and cultivating, like you said, that, that heart of leadership, us viewing them and valuing that position that God has placed on them. So anything else on that front that you want to say, any other encouragement? Because I know a lot of women probably struggle like I do of just even inviting their husbands into making decisions. Right. And especially I think in parenting, we get used to leading in his absence. Mm -hmm. Like I was a stay at home mom. And so I was constantly caring for the children and he would come in and he would mess up the whole equilibrium. (laughs) You know, he would give the wrong kid the wrong color cup, you know, and I'd be like, let me do it. Or he wasn't cutting up the food in in small enough pieces or he was, he was doing it wrong. Right. And uh, I remember feeling so frustrated because I felt like my kids weren't safe. I remember coming home from an event mm-hmm. where um, I had been out in the evening. I come home, it's late at night and both of the kids are screaming in their beds. I go running up there. I'm like, what? you know, I comfort them. I come down. My husband is asleep on the couch. <laughs> I'm like, honey, they're, they were yeah. crying. He's like, oh, oh, you know, are, are they okay? I'm like, well, they are now. But, you know, right. it, I think those sorts of things, I'm like, I can't trust him to do anything, but, but that's the wrong response. You know, Mm. that's, that's demeaning. It's again, I, um, inviting him to lead. He's going to do it differently than me. He's going to let him cry more than me. He's not going to buckle him up as tight as I am. He's not going to cover them in winter clothes the way that I would. He's going to do it differently, but you want for your husband Mm. to, to play the role of a dad, um, in their lives. You don't want for him to just be passive. Now, if he's asleep on the couch, I don't know, I don't know what to say about that situation. <laughs> All I know is my husband's or my kids survived and it's been good that their daddy has been involved. And I tell you, one more encouragement. As teenagers, you're going to need him. You're going to need him so yeah. much more. I was the primary parent when my kids were little. He was the primary parent when mm. there were, there were seasons when my kids were teenagers where I just had to say for 
months at a time, go ask dad, go ask dad. Dad's going to have to decide that, you know, just deferring. He was the primary parent. And if I had not invited him in uh, all during those little years, then, you know, I think it it would have been a different situation. But I think even if, if you don't have children, inviting your husband to like have conversations, you're, you're building something where there's a mutual respect and mutual love. How would you feel if he never consulted you on any of the big important things in your family, like, or even the small or the big, you're, you're building a a partnership. And so part of that is inviting his input. Like your marriage is meant Christ and the church. They're together. Um, it's meant to reflect that. And so I think mm. there, this beautiful partnership and God has given him particular gifts and you particular gifts and put them together and, and they're molded together. And you are not meant to do life separately. You're meant to find, and I mean, I know it's, it's a lot of work to grapple for that unity, but unity is mm. a beautiful uh, design mm-hmm. by God. Yes. And we have to fight for it. We, it does not just come naturally. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, this has been so good. And there are so many more questions that I want to get to, but we don't have time. So to wrap it up, I'm going to hit on one more that multiple women asked. And it kind of goes along with something you said earlier about we are called as women to submit to our husbands, not to submit to all the men. Yeah. Every, it's like our husbands. It's marriage specific, which is really good. I'm so glad you mentioned that. But a lot of women who aren't married yet, but they're dating or courting, they sent in questions saying, does this apply to my relationship, my serious dating relationship, or even engagement? Or is this something exclusively when marriage starts? Well, you know, you're moving in that direction, but I think it's uh it's a it's a question of do I love what God loves? Do I love this beautiful design of male headship? You know, we don't even like to use the word, let alone embrace mm-hmm. it. Right? But do I love that? Am I am I inviting that sort of leadership? And so I think in dating, you're practicing, you're trying it out. And so no, you're not maybe um like a big decision about whether you're going to go into debt over some, like, I don't know, you might talk to him about it, but I I think that that sort of headship is reserved for marriage, but you're moving that direction. And so try it out, ask his input, you know, um, Hmm. in little ways, invite him to lead in small ways. You're moving toward that direction. And if, yeah, I mean, make that decision so carefully, like you do not want to be under the authority of a man who is not uh, submitting to Christ. And so, uh, watch for that. Look for that. Look in all the different as, uh, aspects of your life. How would he lead? How is he leading? You know, my son is dating right now and I, and I've said, you know, practice being the leader. You know, they are just at the beginning of a relationship. And so they've decided they just want to date in groups. And so I said, okay, you're the leader plan ahead and make sure there's a group before you get there. And if no group forms, then say, okay, I'll see you later. That would be him leading her, like taking that initiative. And, and, you know, what if she were to call him to that? Like, Hey, what, what do you think about this? What should we do? What, what are your thoughts on it versus just you know, taking control or whatever. I think, Mm -hmm. so you practice dating is all about practicing. You don't dating is, is not separate from marriage. Like I just heard an example of you don't go to the airport um, 
just to hang out at the airport. Like if, if I'm going to the airport, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> right. I mean, why would you do that? You know, it's more expensive and it's the chairs aren't as comfortable. You don't go to the airport just to go to the airport. You go to the airport to fly out. And so that's dating is like going to the airport. You know, you're, you're, you've got a destination in mind. Um, but you're practicing. You're not, you're not there yet. You're not on the plane. Yeah. And so you're, you know, but that is the way that you should be thinking. I okay, hope that's helpful. One more question that is really helpful. I promise this is the last one okay. <laughs> because then I got to go pick my kids up from their co-op. We homeschool and they're at a co-op, which makes try to get all my conversations in on, on that day. But um, you had said, okay, so for the woman whose husband is not submitting to the Lord, he says he's a Christian, you know, but other than that, just saying he's a Christian, there's not a lot of evidence of fruit in his life. So what encouragement would you have for that Christian wife whose husband is not submitting to the Lord? Well, she primarily submits to Jesus. And so if her husband is asking her to do something that is outside of what Christ wants for her, you know, maybe you can't be a Christian. You can't go to church. You can't like, she says respectfully, I, I submit to Jesus. He is the authority in her life. And sometimes that has broken apart marriages. And that is so sad. That is mm -hmm. wrong. Um, but for the most part, I mean, we have, we have first Peter three, submit to your husbands. Um, even if some disobey the word. So mm. like that is our encouragement that they may be won over without a word. Like my tendency, if my husband's being disobedient is I want to use all my words, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's where I submit to the father and I cry mm. out on behalf of my husband. We need to be talking mm. to God about our disobedient husbands. Um, and so whether he's disobeying God in some big way, like not not even a believer, like that's the biggest disobedience yeah. of not yeah. surrendering his life to God. Um, if you're in that situation, what if you did practice biblical submission? What if you honored God's design for marriage? What if you, these, like just in these little ways, like we're talking about inviting, what do you think about doing this with the kids? What do you think about my work situation? What do you think about our neighbors? Like inviting his, his leadership. Mm. I think husbands, for the most part, they enjoy, they enjoy that, uh, that sort of interaction with their wives. But they, again, we draw the line when he is asking you to yeah. disobey God. No, God's authority is primary. But you yeah. know, Kristen, we will have to submit to husbands who, who disobey God for the rest of our lives. None of us has a husband That's true. who does not disobey God. So this verse is really for yeah. all of us. We all have husbands who are selfish and immature mm -hmm. and um, disrespectful to us. And so how are we going to respond to that? Yeah. Well, this verse encourages us, you know, to have an influence over him, not with our words, but how we respond. Let me just read the rest of that verse. Um, that some may be won over without a word by the way that their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Like what if that was what your husband got to live with? A pure, reverent life. A woman submitting to God's design for marriage. I mean, that is so compelling. And you do have a primary influence in his life. Don't waste it. Mm, what a beautiful way to end this conversation. Shannon, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I have been so personally encouraged and convicted, and I'm sure all of our listeners have had the same experience. I can't wait to hear some of their follow-up questions. And I hope everybody goes and grabs Shannon's book, Control Girl, 
or comparison girl, because for any of you out there who are raising your hand like me, you can't see me, but I'm raising it, uh, <laughs> who struggle with control, then that book will be an incredible resource. So thank you for writing that. Thank you for sharing today. Where else can people find you? Yeah. Uh, well, I host the Live Like It's True podcast, and Kristen has mm-hmm. been my guest. Your uh, episode is the top, the most downloads with that episode, oh. I think, oh. of, of all time, if, I, if I'm correct. But for sure, last year, it was the, the very top episode. So would love to see you at Live Like It's True. We look at different Bible stories and talk about how we can live like they're true. But other you know, books and resources at my site, shannonpopkin.com. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you, Shannon. 